Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. You're listening to uh, the Private Practice Workshop podcast slash live YouTube show. Uh, my name is John Clark. I'm a therapist, a group practice owner, and a business coach at privatepracticeworkshop.com. Um, and I'm really excited to introduce our guest for for today. Her name is Sophie Plappert. She has over 10 years of experience in accounting, bookkeeping, wealth management, and financial planning. Having experienced many sides of the financial services world, she developed a, a passion for getting deeper into her clients' businesses, understanding their goals, and helping create a plan to reach them. She founded SJP Services Group in 2020 after leaving the corporate world in search of more flexibility and a way to make a bigger impact. She currently lives in Nashville with her husband and two daughters. Um, Sophie, it's, it's great to meet you and thanks for being here today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to meet you too. My pleasure. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, just kind of who you are and how you got here. And then we can get into, um, uh, you know, what our, our audience of therapists should be thinking about when it comes to financial planning for, 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 for their businesses. Um, yeah, yeah, for then, sure. yeah, go for it. All right. So I, um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I went to Belmont university that's here majored in accounting because I was told I would always have a job if I had an accounting major, um, but I never really uh, had much interest in like the audit or tax side. I always really wanted to work with small businesses or even individuals on the financial services and uh, wealth management side of things. So I've worked with um, small accounting firms. I've worked with like Northwestern Mutual. So on the personal finance side of insurance planning, investment planning, um, I started help start a wealth management firm here, which is kind of where my story turns. Um, I had my first baby and I was let go after returning from maternity leave because it was no longer a fit. And so I was just kind of fed up with working for other people. And I, um, I did go back to Northwestern for a little bit just to kind of figure out my next step. And eventually in 2020 ended up starting my own firm. Um, yeah. I started a firm that I really, the firm I always wanted to work at was my goal mm -hmm. of creating this. And I approach my clients with the heart of a teacher. I want them to fully understand the financial health of their business mm. in a way that makes sense to them rather than, you know, boring them with accounting speak or confusing them. I really try to break things down for them. Um, I work with a lot of creative people. So people understand numbers in different ways and a lot of them don't understand numbers at all. Um, so I just, I try to dive deep into why they started their business and then guide them to reaching their goals from a numbers perspective. I try to be more forward focused um, rather than just discussing what happened in the past, which a lot of accountants are really focused on like the compliance, which is, you know, important. And they'll say, this is your net profit. This is your gross revenue, but they kind of leave it at that. I try to take it um, one step further. So let, let's go with that part. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in that part of looking okay. forward. Um, and I'll say for a lot of therapists listening, um, uh, a, a lot of therapists at, at, I should say at maximum are, are often um, uh, looking at um, a profit and loss statement, either they're doing their bookkeeping mm -hmm. or they're having a bookkeeper. They look at it and they see, um, you know, how much money went in and out this month and then they carry on you know, yeah. seeing their clients or, or whatever. But um, yeah, say more about this piece of, of kind of looking forward. Yep. So it all starts um, when I work with my clients, we start with big picture. Why are you doing what you're doing? What is your goal? Where are you trying to go? And then we break it down. We look at it 
month by month and year by year. But I also want to know if we get on a call in five years from now, where do you want to be if all the stars align and everything goes perfectly? Mm. Like, what does that look like for you? And then we set targets, like financial targets for revenue, um, cost of sales, expenses mm. um, that are going to get them there. So that's great. Um, yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're speaking my language without knowing <laughs> it perhaps, but you know, a lot of what we teach here is, is about having a vision for your business. Um, and then we put together the kind of roadmap to get there. A lot of therapists are just yeah. operating with taking whatever comes next, or they yep. say, I want to make more money, but they don't know how much or why, or how I'm going to get there or mm-hmm. what, um, what it would even look like to get there. And so I love that you're, you bring some intentionality and a plan to, uh, to, to hitting some targets down the road. And then, you know, you and your team can help, uh, help, help support, uh, business owners along, um, along that, that journey and calibrate toward those, those benchmarks, yeah. right. Those, those mile markers. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what would you say are the, you know, maybe some things that you see certain business owners doing really well in terms of the, this financial piece, and then maybe also some, some pitfalls that you think, uh, that we tend to fall yeah. into. Um, So the biggest thing for me is I've worked with clients um, in the past that think they have a bookkeeper or an accountant and they don't need to see what they're like. They don't need to Mm -hmm. see the numbers. They don't need to see their books. And that is just not true. I feel like to be a really good business owner, you have to know where you're at financially. You have to know what your numbers are and how much money you're making or losing, or you can't make decisions and move forward really. Yeah, th- this is interesting because um, uh, I think a lot of people just assume if I have a bookkeeper, then they should be um, that should be more than enough in terms of evaluating right. the financial health of my business. Um, that's quite often not enough, right? They're going to basically yeah. reconcile the books, meaning you know, attach different expenses to different categories mm-hmm. and clean that part up, and then hand you a, a profit and loss statement or and or a balance sheet. Um, from QuickBooks or wherever, and that's about it, right? And then yeah. the therapist sits there and goes, "Well, how do I make sense of this this th- this scary document or spreadsheet exactly. that they send me every month?" Um, so, so how how do we make sense of that? Or in your case, like if you guys operate from this kind of CFO or fractional CFO role, how do you help people like us make sense of of those um, reports? Yeah. So with my clients, I create a scoreboard for them that's literally color coded in the categories that I think are the most important, um, these targets that we've set goals for. And then we, it's either green if you're doing well, yellow if you're like, eh, and mm. red if you're not doing well. And so it's very clear to them um, where you're falling. So if you set those targets and you look at your numbers every month, you can compare to what you're doing and see what areas you need to make changes in. That's fantastic. You know, we again we teach a lot about KPIs here. We have something called our owner dashboard where we help therapists track the, the key metrics of their business, whether it's website traffic or number of sessions completed yeah. this week, things like that. And you know, those numbers should reflect your financial health, right? When you get your, right. your financial data. But um um I, I like this idea of having kind of a scorecard attached to the, the financial mm-hmm. piece. Um what are some examples on that scorecard of, of things that would be on that scorecard or things yeah, that you think so are important? What we start with is the number of like sales transactions. So in this case, it would be the number of sessions per month 
times and then the average transaction value. So how much they're charging per session. Um, so to get whatever gross revenue number you want, you're targeting X number of sessions per month, X you know dollar amount per session. That's the first thing we look at. So if you know, and then creating a plan, how are you going to get? If you're not, if you want a hundred sessions a month and you hit did seventy five, how do we get you closer to a hundred? Is what we start with, and then we have um, cost of sales as a percentage of revenue. So in this case, it would probably be if you have other therapists on your team, mm-hmm. um, that would probably fall into that category. And then marketing, payroll, if you have any like admin staff, mm-hmm. um, and then your operating expenses, which would probably be like your office rent or office supplies and that sort yeah. of thing. So, those so basically, are what, what did it cost yeah. to procure the product or service in this exactly. case, in our case, mm-hmm. a service and what we're selling is time yep. or a unit of therapy, right? And so you're yep. breaking down how much did it cost to procure that unit Mm-hmm. Um, which can then help us see what are the margins look like for a, a single unit of therapy, um, yeah. and, and over the, the margin uh, for you know your, your profit for an entire month, quarter, a year, right? Mm-hmm. And and on the profit side, you know, what kind of margins do you see? You know, for small business owners, typically, I mean, I, I have a ballpark idea of what we see in our industry. Um, you know, anywhere between. 15, 25% um, uh, uh, margins. I think they can be higher. I think they can be lower. There's a lot of variability. Um, We don't have massive margins in part because a lot of therapists are somewhat limited in terms of what we can charge. Um, Or if if you're an insurance-based practice, how much insurance pays out. But how do you figure out like what is a good target for for profit margin for a whole, for for an entire business? Really to me, it comes down to what do you want to take home at the end of the day and what where does that number need to be to get you there? So I have clients that want to see 30% period. Um, Other clients that are more focused in the dollar amount at the end of the day than the percentage. But I think 20 to 30% at the end, at the end of the year is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. And and those that are like hitting those margins and maintaining them, what do you again, kind of see them doing differently? Or where do you think they are? um, How are they able to create those margins and keep them? Um, looking at their, how they're pricing things is really Mm -hmm. important. Um, their strategy to get new clients or get new sales. Um, and then really just listening to me, listening to whoever their (laughs) finance team is and actually like taking steps to make it changes and grow. Accountability is a huge part of it, right? Same for personal finance, right? Having a plan Mm -hmm. sticking to it and having some external accountability to stick to it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's interesting, you know, because I, um, this morning we had a member of our BMH group. I will keep this person anonymous, but, uh, if you're listening, um, here you go. Um, and, and, you know, she was basically saying, okay, I've spent all sorts of money on, you know, a brand new website and a bunch of marketing and an office and office furniture and all that stuff. I'm still not profitable, but what should I spend on next? Right. And she even admitted mm-hmm. my way of dealing with, with, problems or stress my business is usually just to throw money at it, but I'm still not profitable. Right. Um, so I, you know, a couple things I mentioned were number one, getting on a budget is going to be really important and figuring out, okay, let's Mm -hmm. say you've intentionally gone through this kind of startup phase, kind of bootstrapping your business. Say you've got, you know, 20 grand to put into your business and you've done that and you're treating it almost like a startup where you say you have this runway, but by this date, I need to be making this amount of money. 
Yeah. But then again, there's this psychological part of a lot of business owners delay ever taking profit, right? Or delay ever putting themselves on a salary, right? And and, um, what would you say to someone like her who's wondering, like, how do I, how do I know when I can stop just throwing money at the business and start to really um, create and take profit and and kind of make that mental shift? Oh, gosh. Um, It's hard because uh, it depends what the kind of growth she's wanting to see. Is she wanting to see bottom line growth? Growth isn't always... um, doesn't have to be financial necessarily. So mm-hmm. it just depends. She's going to take on more therapists to grow her practice. That's going to cost money, but it's still growth in one way. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would really have to know more of like what she's trying to accomplish and what she's wanting to take out of her business. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's, it's a great question, right? And you can start with that goal of looking at your personal financial goals and what kind of money you want to make from this business. And, um, mm-hmm. In, in creating a timeline for yourself right around that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great, great point. Um, I don't know if you read Profit First, but that whole, um, you know, system. I have system a lot and, of clients that yeah. like Profit First, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good system. I think if nothing else, I like the principle of it, which is, yeah. you know, revenue minus profit equals expenses versus revenue mm-hmm, minus expenses equals profit. You get whatever, <laughs> you know, crumbs are left over, which in, in her case is, is nothing right now. And, um, sometimes there's some belief that it has to be that way or as the business owner, I've got to keep taking one for the team, you know? Yeah. See, I feel like it's just so funny you say that because I have had the opposite problem in a lot of, some of my clients, not a lot, some of my clients where they are pulling every cent out of the business (laughs) and there's none left over for anything else. So they wrote a book um, called profit only. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a fine line and it's just kind of, I mean, you started your business to earn a living, bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. So what li- what does that look like for you? What kind of lifestyle are you trying to live? Are there things in your current lifestyle we need to take a look at of why yeah. you're trying to take all this out or, you know? And, and how would you help someone establish a budget or a percentage of, um, I don't know, let's say a business is generating, a, you know, 100K a month. How much of that should be allotted to business development or growth, right? And how do yeah. you figure out that percentage? Again, it comes down to goals. If they're trying to add, you know, another team member, then you're going to allocate more to growth. If you're like, I'm good, you might take more money out. Um, I also have like, it also depends on business structure. I have clients that are S corps and don't want to mm-hmm. show a profit at the end of the year. So it, they bonus basically any extra out for themselves. Mm-hmm. So um if you're okay with how you're doing, then I think go ahead and take that bonus and enjoy. And if you're like, try, if you're trying to scale, then let's look at what that looks like. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate your, um, y- your, you're not just giving the easy answers or giving <laughs> blanket answers. Cause I think well, a lot so of people much do. Of it depends. And <laughs> exactly. And I, I think for business advice in general, a lot of people are looking for, um, a quick answer, whether it's, Hey, um, um, should I have a niche or not? Or is EMDR right. a good niche? Or is, you know, should I charge 250? And it's like, let me ask you 15 questions to get to yeah. an answer together, <laughs> right? Or to teach you how to make decisions about your business. Like you said, what stage of your business are you in? Um, mm-hmm. You know, early on, and this is my my third practice, um, my second group practice, I treated the first probably year and a half almost like a startup. Um, yeah. and, and also I have 
this business as a separate business so I can do that, but knowing it's going to be kind of cash intensive for a period of time. And then at a period of time, um, it, it, the, the profit will, um, will increase and, and that's going to kind of pay off. But um, that also means me taking money that's being generated, reinvesting it versus some people that will go and get a small business loan or get capital right. or get money from, you know, some, some rich uncle or aunt or who, who knows what. Um, maybe we can hop into a couple of questions if you're okay yeah, with it. Um, sure. the, uh, so if you're here live, feel free to start submitting questions in the, in the chat. Um, otherwise, these are from uh, our email list. The first question from Aaron uh, it says, what percentage of profit should I be making before I make riskier investments for my practice? And again, knowing we just went through this whole caveat thing, but yeah. um, any thoughts on that? I would say it's less important about the percentage of profit versus the consistency. Once you're consistently showing a per profit of say 15 to 20%, I think if you want to, you know, take a big swing on something, then go for it. But I would like to see the consistency before you do that. Yeah. It's kind of like, what can I afford to lose? Right. If I'm making yeah. a risky investment in my, my, um, my personal finances, right. What can I right. afford to lose? Can I afford to take a 40% dip on, you know, a stock that I just bought, uh, or do I need that cash, you know, in the next 12 yeah. months? Well, and um, so much of it, yeah comes down to to cash in the bank because mm -hmm. I feel like for me in my practice and what I tell my clients is cash is honestly more important to me than profit. So if you have the cash sitting there, you have a cushion and a safety net, then go for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I love if that. You're you know. cash, you know, mm -hmm. if you're living week to week or month to month, then let's hold off. <laughs> totally. I, and I think yeah. in a perfect world, you know, a therapist has three to six months of you know, some, some cash reserves, um, three to six months of expenses, including payroll and a cash reserve. Yeah, and on the personal great. side as well, three to six months of your personal mm -hmm. expenses. If you do that, you're going to be psychologically operating in a very different way than if you're under yes. the gun and, you know, really can't afford for this to go wrong. Or let's say in Aaron's question, if one of those risks is I'm opening, you know, I'm opening up a new branch of my practice in a different town. I don't know as much about I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm jumping on this office suite. It's five grand a month for three years. I think it's going to go well. I hope I can fill up the clinicians, but I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. Um, there could, that can be a lot of risk for some people that can be manageable risk for some people. Um, right. You're kind of betting on yourself to be able to generate business in that new location. Um, I think you also look at, um, you know, people talk about type one versus type two decisions and decisions that are reversible or irreversible. A lot of decisions mm -hmm. in business are reversible, albeit with some pain, whether it's time or money lost or, or both. Right. So, yeah. you know, my, my approach and my, my advice is to, um, is to grow more safely, especially if you're new to business. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then again, think about the best case scenario with this investment meaning with this office and let's say I'm spending five grand a month to be there, but I'm generating 50 K a month, you know, because I'm there and I'm in this untapped market yeah. in the worst case scenario. Um, I have a $5,000 liability every single month for the next three years. And I can't mm -hmm. make a dollar off of this new office. Can I stomach that? Right. Because right. if you've then looked at the worst case scenario and you can be okay with that, you've evaluated your risk to some, to some degree. Right. Right. And another thing I think, um, in your industry, you're in a unique position where I would imagine you have a good amount of monthly recurring revenue where you can mm -hmm. count on your clients that are going to come back every month. Whereas you may have some that come for a few sessions and then they're 
good to go or some that, exactly. you know, are going to be clients for years. And so at least you have probably some amount of income that you can count on every month. And that's probably mm -hmm. helpful to make decisions like that as well. It's true with a steady caseload, um, you know, you typically have pretty good retention if you're a good therapist. Um, right. Some people, their average session number could be eight. It could be, it could be years and anywhere in between. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, your caseload reaches this critical mass where your revenue is pretty stable. Um, we got another question here. Yeah, let's keep going through a few questions if sure. that's okay. Um, yeah, Alina uh, from our email list asks, in starting my practice after being an associate, where do most private practice owners get the business loans or capital to start? Is it typically a bank loan? Um, I've not worked specifically with therapists, but I would imagine it's some sort of bank line of credit. I'm, you can probably speak more to that, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's like any small business. Yeah. Um, I also right. think we have a tremendous opportunity in that a therapy practice is generally pretty cheap to start. Um, I would think it would be. Something like 10K to start a solo practice is going to go yeah. a very long way. You know, I might throw 3,000 of that at the website, a uh, thousand bucks at, I don't know, headshots or a really nice promo video, a couple thousand on ads and SEO, um, and then maybe first couple of months of rent or something like that for your office right. or if you're virtual you know spend it all on marketing and getting clients and then you're you're very cash flow positive right out the yeah. gate um i've you know i've never taken a loan for my businesses and i'm quite proud of that i think most of us can be scrappy enough to just kickstart it um and have side hustles you know i got here i started my first practice by um driving lyft and uber on the weekends and at night and working a full-time job at an agency and and um I like that way of building versus saying, you know, you just took Let's out a hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. Taking on that debt kind of yeah. Dave Ramsey approach, which I like very much of if I can do it without taking on debt, I, I'd rather do that. Not to Absolutely. mention a lot of therapists are getting into business on the tail end of graduate school debt. And that's already right. For sure. tails, so yeah. Yeah. I think if you have a really good plan for the money and you're going to a bank and the, the interest, the rate is, is, Palatable. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I've had so many clients take out because the cash flow is a challenge for them, take out loans with these crazy high interest rates. And mm -hmm. then it's just, it puts them in a bigger and bigger hole. And so I'm very averse to taking on debt. Mm -hmm. So I agree. That's good. I think that's, that's very good. Um, uh, one more question. The last one we have for now. Um, um, uh, Alexander says, hi guys, any opinions on, um, what to consider in order to set up an exit plan for multiple people, private pa practice partnership? Wow. Um, this is a little bit outside my forte. Okay. I you have can not make put together an exit plan, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think having really solid financials is a great place to start for that. I think it depends on who owns the company, right? In part yeah. to see, let's say you went into partnership, you opened up a practice together and you establish, I don't know, 10,000 shares of the company and, mm -hmm. you know, th three, it's, it's set up in, it's divided in three ways and you own a third of the company. Um, what are you going to do with those shares? You know, are the other right. two owners or partners? Take them or are you going to, yeah. Yeah. Are they going to buy them out? Are they going to, how are you going to get out of this, this business? Um, you going to hold hold on to your shares or have someone fill your role. I think there's a lot of different ways that this could go if you are in this sort of partnership. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and you know on <laughs> business partnerships, but that's not 
exactly why we're here. Just be really careful going into it, have a really clear plan, have good lawyers, you know, around all yeah. corners to make sure you don't get screwed over. So yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um Take a really, really quick breather here for one second. Um, if you guys have more questions, please feel free to submit them. And then um, I'm really, uh, I'm excited to introduce to you guys uh, a new partnership, speaking of partnerships that we have, uh, that we are launching today. Um, and that is with Jane. Um, if you haven't heard of Jane, I'm gonna introduce you to Jane right now. So Jane is a thoughtfully designed all-in-one practice management software with powerful features to help you grow your business but you can see all of that in action over at jane.app. That's www.jane.app. Uh, what you might not see there though is the team behind Jane from their developers to their award-winning customer service team and everyone in between. They're obsessed with being the best they can be for you. To see Jane and the rest of the team in action, join them at jane.app and book a one-on-one -on -one, uh, demo. Um, or you can subtly name drop me. Uh, you can mention John Clark at sign up to receive a one month grace period as you get started with Jane. And it just so happens that today is our 200th episode. Our producer Jenna is telling me that in the chat here. So, um, you know, congratulations to myself, basically. <laughs> just kidding. And, <laughs> and to our team. Um, 200 episodes is pretty wild. You know, I started this thing some years ago um, just to see where it would go. And because I liked talking about business and, 200 episodes in, here we are, and kicking off this new partnership with Jane. It's a it's an EHR known mostly in Canada, but um, they're really branching into the U.S., and I'm excited to be partnering with them. So you can see the banner here at the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube, and if you're listening, again, jane.app um, to, to learn more about um, their, their awesome products. So thank you to Jane for that um, um, sponsor sponsorship and thank you to, to the listeners for 200 episodes. My goodness, didn't think I'd be here, but here we are. Um, okay, Sophie, thanks for indulging me in that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> little commercial Congratulations break. on your 200th episode. That's thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's let's bring it back to you. I mean, what other thoughts All do right. you have and, and, and anything that you want to make sure we kind of cover today? Yeah, so I think the really the last thing I think is important is you know, if you're setting your, your targets, you're tracking your progress, the next thing to be doing is really focusing only on maybe two or three things to be working on. I feel like as business owners, I'm super guilty of this myself is I kind of spiral where I'm listening to a podcast or seeing something on Instagram. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to be doing this or that or whatever for my practice. And it's hard to just focus on a couple things. And I feel like if we can just kind of reel it in and focus on just to maybe three things that are going to on the most important areas that you need to improve on. Um, I think that will really help get you where you want to be. I love that. Again, I think someone offered you a cheat sheet to say things that would make me really happy because that's, <laughs> that kind of focus is what I talk about a lot here and therapists that suffer from shiny object syndrome or kind of what yeah. do I fix next, you know, and at the bottom, at, at the, the end of the day, um, a business is a business because it's making money. You know, we're mm -hmm. selling something, a product or a service for some money, and we are spending some money to make that happen. And um, a business is a business because it has profit. And there's right. a lot of things that we need to do to to create and then pre preserve and grow that profit. Mm -hmm. And to, um, to, be, to be diligent, good stewards of it. Um, when you can do that, that's exactly how you're going to 
create, you know, personal financial wealth. And then yeah. once you get it to your personal side, how are you going to manage it then? Right. And making sure. You're exactly. Good, it's a whole nother problem. Yeah. <laughs> we got another question here from Julie. She says, what do you look for in your financials to know that it might be time to raise your client fees? Hmm. Um, so I look for a few things. Um, number one is if you're not hitting that average, um, target price that you're looking for. Um, also on kind of a less financial based thing is, are you, have you raised your prices in a while? Cause if mm -hmm. you haven't, it might be time to look at that. Um, just based on inflation, you should be looking at that probably every year. Um, number two is, do you have more clients than you can actually see? Because if, you know, that's a good problem to have, but mm -hmm. it might be time to kind of raise your prices there as well. Um, those are kind of the biggest things I look at for sure. Great stuff. Yeah. You're, you're crushing these questions, by the way. Um, simple, <laughs> simple supply and demand is one way to look at it. You know, I just talked yeah, to therapist absolutely. this morning and he said, my phone won't stop ringing. And, and I said, well, is everyone saying yes to your fee? And he said, yeah, then it's too low. Right. right? You're you not, also don't want to be, yeah. sorry to interrupt. No, you, you don't want to be like the budget, you know, person in my the opinion, like, you, mm -hmm. you know, you, it's, you got to ride that line of being overpriced versus being too underpriced. Yeah, being cheaper isn't a a marketing differentiator, right? Exactly. Um, in, in our case, it actually communicates less value. You know, the therapist mm -hmm. is charging ninety five a session versus the therapist in that same market that's charging two fifty. The first inference people make is, "Wow, the two fifty person must be really good. They must be right. worth it." And oftentimes mm -hmm. we are. Um, so most therapists, it's already too late. You should have raised your fees, you know, um, by now, or you're really underpriced in the market. Um, you can base it off of your own financial goals, your own cash flow projection. Um, you know, I think uh, um, we raise our fees at least once a year, if not twice a year. Just send a simple yeah. letter to clients to say, "Hey, starting on this date, the fee is going to go up by this amount, whether it's ten dollars or twenty dollars. If this gets if this gets in the way of you receiving help, let us know." I've done that for, I don't know how, how many years now, nine years. And I've only yeah, had one person great. ever, ever, ever have a problem with it. And it wasn't really about the money because this person was wealthier than any client <laughs> I've ever seen. So um, we have to do it and we have to keep doing it yeah. and um, not be apologetic about it. Um, we're, yeah. Uh, and if you're charging the right fee and charging healthy fees um, across the board, that's the thing that can help you then do pro bono work or sliding scale or whatever it is, if you want to give yeah. back in that way. For sure. Um, that's all the questions we have in the chat here, at least. Um, if you guys have more, feel free to throw them out um, while we have just a couple more um, uh, minutes here with Sophie. Um, I guess, Sophie, like, what's the process in terms of your your um, how you guys help? And also, I, I saw like the CFO piece that you can help with. How do you advise yeah. in, in both the kind of do, we, do you do the bookkeeping for people and do you also do the kind of advising, like almost financial coaching? Yeah. yeah. So we, we do both. Um, I offer, I do offer bookkeeping, but, um, separately or together with the CFO piece, um, I can, I mean, we can do everything from payroll accounts, payable billing, all of that, um, to then the advisory side of things, um, customized reporting. I prepare financial statements. And even if you're not uh, a CFO client, I'm still meeting with all of my bookkeeping clients regularly and making sure that they know, what their numbers are and what they mean, um, which I think is a really important thing. 
That's great. I mean, I think it'd be such a win for therapists listening to if they receive a PNL to even have some insight like, hey, um, your revenue was up 7% this month. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it, right? Or hey, you raised right. your fee and your revenue is up 15%. Keep doing that, right? Or whatever yeah. it is, or you cut your costs this month by X percent. Like that sort of insight to me is just so worthwhile because if 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 people like you can help advise a therapist like me on what actually happened or what to do next, I will, I can make decisions and take action based on those numbers, right? And creating a wider margin, right? Generating more revenue and spending less as we go. Um, Yeah. yeah. And that's what I really do with my CFO clients is I, you know, I take their financials and I create a written out action plan every single month of what to do and, and who's in charge and when the due date is, and then holding them accountable every month. Wow. That's, that's really impressive. That's very thorough. And yeah, <laughs> I can tell you're proud of it. <laughs> Definitely more than I yeah. think a lot of financial folks are are you know offering. And and again, we don't always know what we're signing up for. If we say, "Hey, just do my finance stuff," you know, and we don't know what we're really hiring for or what we need right. or asking for that level of involvement and coaching and accountability, then yeah, you will just get a bookkeeper that you know reconciles your books and that's it. And you're still right. going to be just as confused. And that's important, but I think once you are trying to kind of level up your practice, you need someone else on that finance team to help you understand everything. Especially when your business has additional layers of complexity, like multiple employees, clinicians, exactly. locations, you know, um, seasonal businesses, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, um, anytime I've spent money on financial help, it's always um, had really positive ROI and in both in the literal sense and even in the sense of me sleeping better and knowing that, yeah. um, and I have a bunch of people looking out for my finances, my bookkeeper, fractional CFO, personal financial advisor, financial planner, all these people I spend a lot of money, you know, on my, on my yeah. money. And, um, it's all quite worth it to me because again, yeah. my wheelhouse is being a therapist and I'm a, I am, I am more on that creative side than on the analytical yeah. side. Um, that's great. Well, you thought you were going to get off the hook, but not without one more question, <laughs> Sophie. We're going to get our money's worth today. Um, Beverly says, oh, if you want to sell your practice <laughs> in the next five years, what plan should I have in place to determine how to get the most money out of the business? What formula is used by investors? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, as far as a formula, I, I mean, having a solid balance sheet is really important. Um, I know they're going to look at where your assets versus liabilities are. Um, I haven't worked with investors very much, so I can't, I don't know if there's a, you know, exact formula. Um, But I think you, as far as having a plan in place, you need a solid finance team, making sure that everything is squared away. If you're really trying to sell, um, they're going to want to make sure everything is buttoned up for sure. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so the, the formula, you know, that's generally used to to value business is EBITDA. And yeah. um, that's one to, to Google if you want to see what that <laughs> yeah. stands for. Um, in my experience, and I did, I sold in my group practice in 2019, you're, someone is effectively looking at what kind of money will this produce, this business produce without you in it. So if you buy my solo practice, and I'm generating 15K a month by seeing clients, what is that business worth if I'm not here? right? In that case, you're kind of selling the brand and whatever is left over. If that brand is John Clark, you're not selling to anyone unless they're named John Clark. And um, yeah, I learned that the hard way. 
So if I come in and say, again, I, you have a business that's very cash flow positive that has healthy profit over, uh, you know, consistently and over proven over a period of time, you have good systems and processes in place. Your employees are happy. Um, you have SOPs for things that happen in the business, like how do people get paid? How do people, um, you know, um, clock into work? How do they get feedback? Things like that. The more robust and well-built your business is, the easier it'll be for someone to come in and buy it and to trust that that thing is going to keep doing what it does in, in creating cash, right? Creating cash flow. Um, the, 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 you know, very rough numbers is your your business is often going to be worth anywhere anywhere between one to five x of your net profit. So let's say if your net profit is a hundred k, you know, per year your your annual uh, net profit. So let's say that net profit is hundred k a year, and again, that's not contingent on the revenue that you're producing in the business. Then your business could be worth between a hundred and five hundred k, right? Especially for the right investor, the right group, the right individual, whoever it is that has that kind of cash to buy your business or could could finance it, um, could be a life-changing amount of money, right? For, for, for most, most of us. Um, and so thinking about that, you might as well build it to sell, right? If you're building a practice, you might as well build it so that you can sell it. Even if it is a solo practice, build a generic brand, you know, that has great SEO and great brand awareness. And you might be able to sell that for, for who knows how much, uh, 20 K 50 K, you know, if someone told me, Hey, buy, you're going to buy this brand, you know, for, for, 50k or whatever and then that 50k is going to then generate you 150k a year you know for the next 30 years would you take that deal people that open a restaurant take out you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of you know loan to even just furnish a kitchen and you know get uniforms for their staff and all that that sort of thing so i just think there's a lot more we can do in terms of building our business to sell and, and knowing what makes a good sellable business so that's a fun one. Um, yeah, probably about that time to wrap up. Um, uh, Sophie, thank you so much again for for being here. A lot of ground covered. Thank you for your um, yeah, flexibility course. with answering the, the live questions. Sorry, I wasn't um, <laughs> great on the last one. No worries. No, that's a that's a unique one that I just happen to have a little experience with. Um, yeah. Maybe you can kind of lead us out again, just just a little bit more about your group, how people can get in touch. And of course, we'll put links to all this stuff in the description or in the, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, sorry, I'm SJP Services Group. Um, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, but I work virtually. And um, my website is sjpservicesgroup.com. And if you want to book a call, I'd love to talk. Um, it's sjpservicesgroup.com slash right fit. We'll get you um, where you need to be to book a call. Great stuff. Um, I will be out of town the next two weeks. So for those of you getting really used to having this um, weekly Tuesday party, I apologize. I'll be away, but I'll be back on Tuesday, June 7th with someone that you may or may not know. You probably know her name is Casey Compton. She's a owner of a large group practice and a practice consultant. Uh, looks at scalability, people, leadership, teams, SOPs, all sorts of, of fun stuff that you need to scale. So um, Tuesday, June 7th, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern here with Casey Compton. Um, looking forward to that one. So please be here uh, live if you want to ask Casey some questions. And then just another thank you to, to Jane for um, uh, for sponsoring our show. We're really grateful for Jane. <clears throat> you can find out more about Jane at jane.app. And um, thank you all again for 200 freaking episodes. Pretty unbelievable. And I'm grateful to, to be with you guys, to, to serve you. It's just really 
really pretty wild uh, for me to to be on this journey <clears throat> and to have built a whole business out of just an idea and something I like to do. Um, you, you can always get help from me at privatepracticeworkshop.com. Easy place to start is you can book a, um, a an initial coaching session with me for 199 bucks. And believe it or not, that's a smoking hot deal. So um, definitely hop on that if you want to you know, connect with me and get some help for your business. And from there, we can talk about other programs that I have and how I can help. So thanks again. And Sophie, thank you for being here. And thanks um, for having me. Yeah, we'd love to have you back sometime. All thanks right. again. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.